Hello and welcome to another episode of Film Freaks with a Z, the podcast all about movies. Each episode is about a single movie, and of course we'll introduce this episode's movie in a little bit. But we're always taking recommendations for your fan vote. That's right. You can send them either in the comment section of the latest YouTube version of Film Freaks, or you can send us an email at ff.filmfreakswithaz at gmail.com. Or you can talk in the movies uh, section of my Discord, the Ferret Nation Discord, to also recommend a movie if you so desire. And of course, this is a special episode, so let's introduce ourselves before we get started. I am Yemi the Ferret. Who am I here with? Pretty awful. Hey, Mason. And as per usual, when we have a guest on the podcast, we're down one man. So in spirit, Coco Gamer is here with us. But we have a special guest today to fill that slot, as I said. He's the man of many, many Fallout and Skyrim streams. It's Maztec Gaming, a.k.a. Maz. How you doing today? What's up, Yemi? Thanks for having me on. Thank you very much, Tay. Appreciate having you, uh, you having me, Greedy Waffles. No problem. Thank you for the movie yeah. recommendation. Good, good to have you. And yeah, thanks for that. Finally getting to it. I'm Like I said, I've been wanting it for a while. Maz Finally. was one of the OGs for the film recommendation. Actually, I think it was the first was one the first that we one. had. <laughs> yeah. And it's you guys taken, have been doing this a year now, right? <laughs> well, yeah, it's almost taken 50 episodes for, uh, for it to be chosen. So... <laughs> I'm that just glad Transformers, right? Yeah, so I'm just glad it's this not Transformers. <laughs> well, that dark day will come, but right now we're going to talk about a different movie. Maz, why don't you introduce it for us? We're going to be talking about <clears throat> Goodfellas, which is a classic in my opinion, and, and actually most critically acclaimed is probably one of the best gangster movies ever. It was released in 1990. It was directed by Martin Scorsese. Uh, five really major actors of note were in this, which is a very star-studded cast. You have Ray Liotta as Henry Hill. Um, you have Joe Pesci, who is Tommy DeVito in that. Uh, Robert De Niro shows up as Jimmy Conway. Uh, Paul Sorvino is in it as Paul Cicero. Uh, and then you've got uh, Lorraine Bracco, who plays Karen Hill as well in the movie. It was actually inspired by a book called Wise Guy that was actually dictated by Henry Hill himself back in 1985 and written uh, by Nicholas Pelagi. I hope that's uh, that's informative enough. Very informative. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, good job. Fantastic. Maz, the, uh, I think we all know that you are a huge fan of this movie, so where do you want to start this conversation oh at? Uh, we can start at the beginning. We can talk about well, the, time, the timeline follows Henry Hill's rise and fall from uh, 1955 all the way to 1980. Um, it was a true, it's based on a true story. Um, some of the characters have different names. Uh, and as we go through the movie, I'll tell you a couple different instances in different scenes that were kind of altered to make it uh, a little bit more movie friendly. Uh, like, for instance, just to give you a quick little idea, the Latanza heist that they talk about for like, seven minutes in the entire movie uh that that could have been it's an entire movie of its own because it was a 90 minute heist uh and it took them uh, almost a year to um 
to put together and make sure it went off seamlessly. So lots of really cool uh, scenes in this in this movie. We can start right at the beginning if you guys want to, though. Yeah, how do you feel about it starting kind of, uh, you don't know it at the time, but kind of like in a midway point uh, for the uh, timeline? It's kind of a little bit of a teaser there. I, lo- I-, I love the, uh, the beginning because that's such a violent scene that um, it really kind of gets you gripped, right? Because if you're starting out at the beginning and you've got a, a 12-year-old boy, he's like 17 in the movie, but in real life, he was actually 12, 13 years old when he started working with, uh, with the, uh, the Vario family or, or the Cicero family in this case for the, Lucre- the Lucchese crime family. Um, so really starting out like that a little bit slow, I, I think it's a nice little teaser to find out what happens with Henry Hill uh, kind of being put in that position uh, where he's with two psychotic killers that that have taken out a made man. Uh, so I thought it was a pretty good start to the movie. Definitely, whoa, that gets your attention pretty quick because that's all within the first 45 seconds. So Yeah, when they say they got a flat, I'm like, hold on. <laughs> they ain't bumping around here. <laughs> nope. Nope, absolutely not. And uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty intense scene. Definitely, uh, I agree. That's definitely the best place to start, just because, yeah. Because if we just started with him as a kid, you'd be going, okay, I guess, yeah, gangsters. But uh, what, what, what do I, ex- what can I expect from this? Well, this beginning makes you go, okay, I know what to expect from this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, usually I'm not a fan of like you know the movies that start you know jump around like that, but. No, it does fit this movie very well, and it does draw, you know, attention to the, the viewers. So I think, I, I don't mind it in this one. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, it was interesting seeing um, the story lead up to that moment. And uh, I'm, I'm in the same boat. I don't usually like that stuff, but I can give this movie a pass because it, it, does, it does start the movie off with, like, a bang, and you understand the tone almost immediately as it, you know, as the movie starts. Right. Absolutely. I think it's a, a fantastic attention grabber. But, you know, when we're talking about continuity between the book and the movie, actually, they, they stabbed him with that, that kitchen knife, that butcher's knife, and uh, they shot him. They actually never really shot him. They actually dragged him out of the, uh, of the trunk and beat him to death with a tire iron, which I think would have probably dissolved their R rating. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it would have. It's taking too long, you know? It's quicker, <laughs> yes. just quickly stab him, shoot him, you're done. Absolutely. Point made. Yeah. Yeah, I know I'm jumping um, ahead a little bit, but I think it's funny that, you know, they bury the body there, and then the um, uh, uh, Robert De Niro's character, uh, James, he's like, well, they're building condos there now, so we gotta move the body. Yeah, was- <laughs> gotta go back. Wait, <laughs> shit, we fucked up. Shit, go back. <laughs> Yep, and and, the, yep. and Henry Hill's reaction during that scene is hilarious. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, well, Tommy and 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 Jimmy are, are just egging him on, yeah. <laughs> getting him to puke more. Well, it's crazy how they were just so nonchalantly just un, you know digging up that grave and moving the body, and you know it seemed like Henry still had a little bit of humanity left in him at that moment. So Henry was actually um, he was an associate, and because he was uh, half Irish. Half Italian, he was never able to be made um, into the Lucchese family right. uh, officially. Uh, but he was really kind of a money runner. He was the one that was kind of scheming and and making a quick buck for the family. Uh, but he was never he was asked to whack somebody once, as you saw in the movie. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But he never killed anybody. So when he saw the violence around him, it actually, quite honestly 
tore him up. It, it terrified him. He always thought that when he was on the street, that his uh, this was you know maybe his last day on earth because these people that he hung out with were literally psychotic. They could be yeah, smiling yeah. in your face, shaking your hand, giving you a hug, and and putting a knife in your back at the same time. So he he lived in fear. Yeah, I think Ray Ray Liotta did a good job of like expressing that. Like you could see in his face where he's just like, "Okay, I'm I'm here. This is it's not what I do." Completely agree. Completely but, yeah. agree. Well, my favorite scene, well, not my favorite scene, but a good scene was when they were playing poker, and the waiter was like, like done with like the guy's shit, and he's just like, you know, what, fuck off. He, He's just like you knew that mo- moment. You're like, oh, he's dead. He's a dead motherfucker. Go like, fuck yourself, Tommy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nice. and you knew. And then they're like, it was a good lead up to it. And everyone around them was like joking. Oh no, yeah, he's got you. The guy got balls. And then all of a sudden, he's like, bam. Yeah, and it goes to illustrate how psychotic Tommy was in real life. And the funny thing about that is, Joe Pesci, um, fantastic actor. He actually won an Oscar for Goodfellas, but he's five foot four. And the real Tommy was over 6'3 and over 300 pounds. So it was kind of oh, funny geez. that they made him. Um, well, Joe Pesci does psychotic to a T. He really does. So, and that's perfect. So, and just a sidebar, do you guys, do you guys recognize who Spider was in, in that scene? He looked familiar, but I couldn't place him. It was Michael Imperioli. He played Christopher Moltisanti in The Sopranos. Okay, I don't yeah. see. I don't see the Sopranos. Oh, another another fantastic one. Another story for another time, though, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think. Um, yeah, going back to what we were saying about uh, you know Henry kind of being the outcast. Do you think that's why he turned to drugs eventually in the movie because he felt so? I don't know. Maybe anxious about everything that was happening around him with all the killing. You know, that could have something to do with it. It could also be, you know, the fact that when they got imprisoned for that that altercation in Tampa, uh, he had to turn to drugs because when you are in a crime family, everything gets put on hold. You are an outcast. You're a nobody. You don't exist because being involved, you don't get even, you know, they don't even visit you. Mm -hmm. Being involved in family affairs when you are in jail implicates other crime family members. So that was the only way that he could continue to make some sort of income because there's no kickbacks. You're not making, you're not getting a kick on your uh, your jobs on the street. You're not earning. Uh, so I think that he eventually started using it. You know, getting high on his own supply, so to speak. Um, and what happened at that point was, um, yeah, I think that he just kind of went into that downward spiral. It kind of took the edge off for him, uh, but it also made him very paranoid, as you can see. Yeah. Well, I feel like the drugs, like, you know, in their earlier, like, crime families, you know, that wasn't really how they did things. I, you know, like, I'm sure the drugs existed, but they weren't maybe as easily accessible. And then, obviously, that kind of changed in the 80s because everyone was doing crack. Exactly. And, you know, he saw this as a way to make an easy buck, which, you know, Polly was like, hey, don't deal in drugs because that's not, that's not how we do things. And we can easily get pinched for that. Mm-hmm. So don't do it. And he was like, but it's an easy buck. It's out of his way. I'll do it anyways. So. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And ironically, that is how they got, you know. Yeah. Pinched that is the how they got him. <laughs> Absolutely. So uh, I did have, I mean, I'm jumping all over here. So 
when they go to make get or Tommy goes to get made, um, you know, into whatever crime family, like mm-hmm. for, you know, how did they find out for sure, or how did they find it? They don't. Uh, not that I know. They didn't explain how they found out. He actually was the one who killed the the other guy from like the other crime family. Okay, so that that's um, Billy Bats is yeah. was the one from the uh, the Gambino family, and the Gambino family at that point was headed by John Gotti, as you guys can remember, or maybe remember, maybe not. Um, but he was a very very notorious uh, family crime boss. Uh, back in the uh, the seventies and eighties, he kind of rose to power. He was a foot soldier and kind of overthrew the family and became the boss. So um, the Gambino family put a lot of pressure on the Lucchese family, specifically Pauly. Um, they had an idea that he had he had whacked Billy Bats uh, and one other gangster. I can't remember his name, unfortunately, off the top of my head. So um, when you have that type of when you kill a made man. Uh, you you're marked whether you are made or not. You don't yeah. you don't fuck yeah. with made men. Yeah, um, no, you I have to that. have a sit down. Yeah, you have to have a sit down with the five yeah. families. So once that happens, though, that family is going to start putting pressure and asking a lot of questions. Now, the thing is, when I read the book, it's called the Latanza Heist. It's the, it's the follow up book to Wise Guy. And what I was reading in that is that they had put a lot of pressure on Polly, um, and then finally he just kind of gave in and said. I think that it was him. Um, and and you know, in the movie, when he's talking, you know, after uh, Henry gets out of jail, he kind of asks about Billy Bats. He's like, you know anything about that? Mm. Uh, and he said, no, I have no idea. So and he already knew that they knew something about it. Because if you look at the way Paulie looks at Henry when he says, do you know anything about that? He's like, oh, no, 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 I have no idea. He, they kind of knew already. So at, at that point, he really needed to to give him up in order to get the pressure off his family. And the book suggests that John Gotti himself actually shot him um, oh, and, and really? killed and killed Tommy. Yeah. And the thing is, the book didn't come out until after Henry Hill was dead, which is pretty funny. Because so that means they, they kind of sat on that Latasa Heist book uh, until until he had died, because I think that would have caused a lot of a lot of disturbance in in the families. I mean. John Gotti's dead as well, but uh, I think that really would have caused some problems with the families if they just kind of threw that out and said, yeah, John Gotti was the one that killed him. But yeah, it does sound like he was whacked because of that, but they, they kind of just gave him up because he was a loose cannon for one and, and two, uh, he just, he couldn't be trusted anymore. He was kind of doing his own thing. So great. Yeah, I know I was a pretty surprising scene to me. Like I knew something was going to come of that because they made such a big point to, you know, stay on it for a while in the movie. <laughs> but at when the when he was getting made, I was like, "Oh, this this is a this is kind of you know interesting." And then all of a sudden, he gets sniped in the back. Well, not sniped, but he gets shot in the back of the head. And mm-hmm. I was actually pretty stunned at that moment. I I I didn't I couldn't believe what I just saw. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's out of nowhere because they they write it out in the in the movie that you know that we know it's a problem. It's been brought up, but then they don't really talk about it again for probably a good. 45 yeah. minutes to an hour. Yeah, plus he's sitting there with his mother beforehand. He's, you know, yeah. kissing her oh, on the yeah. cheek. And you think that everything's going to be good for him. And then, boop. And he he also thought, I mean, he was, he was completely blindsided. Oh, yeah. He thought he was, was good. Great. Until he opened the door and realized no one was there. And he went, ah. Yep, he knew yeah. he was screwed the second he opened that door. Absolutely. That was great. I was watching the movie with my wife. And she had never seen it before. I, have, I saw it, you know, uh, back in film school. Um, but she 
like I asked her in the middle, like, so what do you think is gonna happen? She's like, Well, all I hope is that Tommy dies. <laughs> <laughs> she got her wish. <laughs> she did. And then the second he got killed, she went, Oh good. <laughs> yeah, it, Joe Pesci played that character so well. Like you were saying earlier, you know, he plays psycho to a T. Yeah. You, you love to hate the guy. I mean, the, the shit that he pulls in that, you know, that funny how, you know, that, that whole scene, which is improvised, by the way, um, that just really makes you see how creeped out he is. I mean, if you look at, at, uh, at Henry, he's legitimately scared. He looks just, even though he's yeah, just fucking with him. Yeah, yeah not comfortable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's, it's great. He does a great job with it. He does. Yeah, that, that scene in, in general is one that I knew about, but didn't know the context because, you know, back in high school, I'd watch watch Mojo and they'd be like the top 10 improvised performances. And this and this <laughs> one would always be in like the top one or two, uh, depending on how they felt that day. And um, I'm glad I finally got to see the context for the entire scene and actually watched it in, in its entirety without someone talking over it. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a really gripping scene, and you actually feel like anxious while watching it because you're like, oh yes. shit, is Henry about to just get blasted right now or something? Yeah, you yeah. you actually feel uncomfortable, and even when he pulls the gun out, he's like, yeah, Tommy, calm, calm down. You know, it's like that's how loose this guy was. He was he was so crazy. <laughs> yeah, how more Very. people didn't get shot with how many guns were just kind of pointed around at everyone is is beyond me. But right, well, the first kill that Tommy ever did. Um, was a random guy. They were walking down the street, uh, Tommy and and Henry, uh, and and he just randomly said, and this is in the uh, Wise Guy book. He just randomly says, "Hey, Henry, check this out." Turns around, shoots the guy in the face. And that was his first kill. I mean, that's how how old insane this guy was when that happened. So um, I can't remember. I know that that Henry got into the family when he was twelve. And I think that Tommy came in like a year later, so that would make him 11. He was two years younger than Henry. So probably my guess would be 12, 13 was when he committed his first murder. Oh, wow. Jeez, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. young. Yeah. They are yeah. much younger than they are portrayed in the movie, uh, in that those, the, beginning mo- uh, the beginning of scenes. Which makes a lot more sense, because like, I was just kind of looking at the timeline, and like, when they're like, oh, he's 21, I'm like, he looks 31. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah, it was actually uh, they were they're probably about four or five years younger than they were actually portrayed in the movie. Yeah, well, just Ray Liotta trying to play a twenty-one year old and like uh, Robert De Niro playing like a a twenty-five year old, thirty year old, and you're like, um, I mean, movies do that all the time where you're just like, these kids are supposed to be high school, they're like thirty. Right, exactly. And that, that kind of makes it a little bit unrealistic, but they do such a good job. I mean, if you think about it, maybe I'm wrong, but I can't think of a better actor for each one of those roles for yeah. this movie, specifically. Acting was phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They did a good job of, like, de-aging De Niro, especially for the time when this movie mm-hmm. came out in the 90s. There was no, like, you know, effects you could put on their face or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, it was just makeup. Yeah, they actually did a pretty good job with that, even though you could still tell he was older. Um it definitely looked a little. It definitely looked pretty good, in my opinion. Yeah, wow. I agree. It's it's not like you know um, what's that newer movie that came out, The Irishman. It's not like The Irishman where they actually had like CG work done on their faces and stuff like that. Where and it, it still didn't you. work. Yeah, it still didn't look <laughs> amazing. This movie makes it look a lot better, honestly. Yeah. 
I mean, he still didn't look 25, but he did no, look... Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the, like, the way you see him at the end of the movie when he's trying to egg Karen on into the shop, it's like, that's Robert De Niro at that time without makeup. Yeah. <laughs> like, they didn't yes. age him up or anything. That's just how he looked. Exactly. <laughs> Which, and I love it when they that they actually gave him glasses and stuff. I'm like, oh, that makes him look so much better. Oh, definitely. Definitely. They did such he, a wonderful job with all of it. It was yeah. just... To me, it was a perfect movie. It's my favorite movie of all time. I had to have watched it thousands of times. and I actually didn't even watch it before we had a chance to talk. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, but I mean, I've watched it literally probably over a thousand times. So, so what what, what connects great. you to this movie so so much? You know, it's it's funny. Um, there is. Uh, I've always tells been us that he's a made man, and yeah, he's yeah. Well, say, well, I'm part yeah, of a crime family. Well, I'm Irish Italian, so I can't be made. <laughs> but <laughs> but um, I I will share that the um, the person in the, the the connection in Philly is one of my cousins. <clears throat> wow, and that's not why I got interested in it. Um, well, he was one of my cousins, uh, but I was. I've always been drawn to the organized crime, not not as in like I, I want to be in it, but just how they operate. You, you, they do so many different things that they get away with. I mean, you look at Al Capone and look what he ran. He ran, he ran whores, speakeasy, bootlegging, smuggling, whatever, and they got him on tax evasion. That's it. You know how does that work? How do you do that? How do you work all that stuff? I and mean, we're talking on a national scale in some cases, especially in the, in the 20s, right? Yeah. How do you do that and get away with it? Not that I'm trying to learn anything like that, but it's more like just learning <laughs> the psychology. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Is there something you want to tell me? No, but is it's more of, you know, what are the moving parts? How does that work? It's always been fascinating to me. And to have a counter uh organized crime wing or division in the FBI that was specifically built up to stop organized crime. And, and organized crime is not nearly what it used to be, of course, as a result, right? But I just find it fascinating, to be honest with you. I've always have. It's just, it's kind of like, how? How? Why? And when I was a kid, you know, um, when you are in La Cosa Nostra, which is this thing of ours, which because they never they never mention the mafia, they never we're not in the mob, we're not gangsters or anything like that. It's just our thing, right? That's what La Cosa Nostra means. It means our thing, and um, you don't talk about it. You don't go and and grandstand that you're you're a, a gangster and the mafia or anything like that. But John Gotti was they called him the Teflon Don, and he was. He wore the high-profile $3,000 suits. And we're talking like in the 80s. $3,000 is a lot of money in the 80s. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On, on, you know, always, you know, on, uh, in the media, always kind of grandstanding. And they had people outside of his trials. Because um, I, I think they, they tr tried to get maybe like six or seven times before they finally got him. They had people outside rooting for him. He was a celebrity. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And that that kind of gets your attention as a kid too. You're like, oh wow, that's kind of cool. But, you know, of course, it wasn't cool, but you know, you're a kid, and it's like, all right, yeah, you know, whatever. But yeah, and then it's funny to find out that um, one of my cousins was involved in, in in the whole the drug thing, 
uh, back then and more prolifically the, and they don't talk about it too much in, uh, in this movie either. The, the Boston college points shaving scandal, uh, which is ultimately how they got <clears throat> one of the two ways they got Jimmy Burke or Jimmy Conway um, put away until you know, he was supposed to get out in 2004, I believe. Uh, he died in prison, though. Hmm. My that was one thing my wife commented on when it came to like he was supposed to get bail in 2004. She's like, uh, it's a, did it? it's like that's past now, did he? No, he died. He died yeah. in uh, prison. I think he died in I want to say like 2001, 2002. So yeah, sure. almost made it. Yeah. <laughs> almost close. Almost made it. You know, the one thing that I was really hoping to see in this movie was more like um, food because, you know, in in a lot of these mobster movies, like everything is done over dinner or something like that. And even though they had those great scenes with the good looking food in there, I kind of was hoping for like more of that kind of thing, you know, because that's like a that's a big thing in uh, in a lot of these um, uh, mobster movies, you know. Are you talking about shop talk over dinner? Well, yeah, they, they oh, always yeah. do conduct their business over like a plate of pasta or, you know, those right. you know, grilling sausage on the on the grill in the back, you know. <laughs> right. So so Paul Vario um, was a very, very quiet capo, a Paul Cicero. I'm sorry. Real, real name, Paul Vario. He's Cicero in the, in the movie. <clears throat> um, he was very, very secretive and very quiet because he didn't trust anybody. He was probably one of the quietest, but most ruthless and most psychotic um, with uh, gangsters or capos uh, in the Lucchese family. Actually, if you read some articles, I've, I've watched documentaries on like the real, what really happened in the Lucchese family. Uh, and there were some people that, that are part of the family that said that, you know, as great of an actor as Paul Sorvino is, he didn't scratch the surface of how bad this guy was. I mean, this guy was a fucking lunatic. Yeah, um, he was, there was one, um, and this is in the uh, Latanza heist as well. When Henry was a kid, when they first got, you know, when he first got into the family, um, I guess uh, one of his uh, gumars, which is his girlfriend, uh, and this is one of Paulie's gumars, uh, kind of stepped out of line and started talking about their their relationship. Well, he walked into a diner and took a baseball bat to her back uh, mm-hmm. and beat the crap out of her. And, and Henry, twelve years old, thirteen years old, sitting in the car watching this happen. So I mean. That's how crazy he was. You do that, you know. First of all, you should never do that. But to do that in front of a kid, on top of all that, that's kind of insane. So, how do you really, how do you really portray that type of ruthlessness? Uh, and you only have a couple of, you know, a couple of three hours to to put a movie together too, for the most part, right? Yeah. Uh, he definitely came off, you know, as quiet. Doesn't really talk. I mean, they mentioned in the movie how he doesn't talk to anybody. There's only like six people to talk to him. He doesn't use a phone mm-hmm. and, you know, you have to go to like someone else's house to get their phone and then use a pay phone, which if Henry had used that method, he would never have gotten caught. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So to circle back to your, your question there, Yemi, you don't see that much in the movie because it simply never really happened in real life. Uh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say, it's just a stereotype. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sopranos, all the food you can eat while you're while you're watching them wheel and deal. <laughs> it's usually sandwiches, though. Yeah, like some this, they were they were usually at the bar, uh, occasionally at the restaurant, but yep. usually in the backyard, usually yeah. usually on the the corner of a street, just 
and 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 never really in person. I mean, even when he is, he goes to Polly and say, "Hey, you know what? I, I fucked up. I'm broke. I got busted." He only said what three sentences to to Henry the entire time. Right. You kind he's of like, forget that he's look- like the big yeah. head because you don't see him often in the enough in the movie, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how he was in real life. He right. stayed out of the out of the spotlight. He was the polar opposite of John Gotti. He didn't want you to know him. He didn't want you to see him. He didn't want you to hear him. He was just he kept to himself. Uh, so, um, I'm going to say something a little critical about the movie here. So, you know, don't pop a gasket on me. But <laughs> there's one editing choice that I was a little confused about, and I don't know if you guys would agree. But they had a few freeze frames in the movie. And I was wondering if it was me and my in just streaming the movie in general, but um, there's a couple of freeze frames where they stop and do like voiceover narration, and I didn't quite understand why they would stop the footage at at a few a few key moments. There's other times where they keep the voiceover going and the and the track in the background is also you know the movie's still going. I don't know. I I, I felt like the uh, the freeze frames were a little out of place. I didn't notice any free streams. Yeah, I didn't notice either. So maybe it yeah. was my streaming service. <laughs> nope, nope. It's two freeze frames. Okay. It's one when oh. the car blows up in the beginning, uh, oh, and yeah. and the other. You know, he's like one time, one time. You know, it's <clears throat> and the other one is when um, Jimmy asks uh, uh, Jimmy asks Henry to go whack somebody for him. And that's when he's like, it was at that point that I knew he, he, I was going to get whacked. Because yeah. he had never asked anybody, he had never been asked, well, Jimmy never asked him to, to kill anybody. And I think they put that in there just for a little bit of a dramatic effect. Like that whole thing, that whole <clears throat> one time um, the kids from my, I can't remember exactly how it was, you know, my mother's groceries back to the house out of respect. I think that's because that's such a long sentence to say in that short period of time. I think they just kind of extended it by freezing, but I kind of agree with you on that. Yemi. I don't, I I don't see the point of that. Um, I think the freeze frame though, when Jimmy asks Henry to, to whack somebody when he's like, this is how I knew this is how it happens. This is, I, I knew that I was de- a dead man at that point. I think they freeze frame that with that look on Ray Liotta's face and on uh, on Jimmy's face, just to say, it, just so you can get a good look at his face. You can tell shit just got yeah. real. Exactly, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So I think that that one makes sense. The, the car explosion, not so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I, I agree with you overall. Oh man, you cut out this at the end there. Oh, I agree with you overall on, on that one. As far as the the, the the choice of cinematography, there can you hear me now? Yeah, I can. I get you now. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, I mean, overall, I mean, for the most part, the cinematography was great. I really enjoyed the presentation of the movie in general. It's just when they froze the frame, it was a little bit jarring to me because I'm like, I'm just kind of going through the movie and I'm really immersed into it, and all of a sudden, it's like, hey, you're watching a movie, and I'm like, wait, what? It's <laughs> <laughs> a good point. Also, when um when his wife is pointing that gun at his face. And she's got it cocked hmm. back, so that means any slight finger movement would totally send that thing going off. I, I would, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't know if, it, if that's how it actually happened in real life, where she was pointing at him with the, with the, with the thing locked in place. But um, I, I, I feel like in most situations that gun would have gone off, and I was waiting for that. It was, it was pretty intense. Yeah, that was a good scene. 
Yeah, it was a very intense scene. I, I agree with you. I don't think that it would. I, I think you, she would have ended up killing him. I think, but he liked to embellish a little bit too on some of the things. Well, as you do. <laughs> and that actor was phenomenal. I, Karen, right? I mean, I know that's not yeah. her real name, but Karen Lorraine in the movie. Blanco. Yep. Yeah, and she she did a phenomenal job of playing like the psycho wife, I guess you could say. <laughs> I'm yeah, just, she was. Sorry, go on. I was just saying, uh, I'm just surprised it took her, after all that shit, she like left him in like 85 or something, I think it said at the end of the movie, mm -hmm. where it's just like. Yeah, 25 years. Yeah, it like, took you long enough. <laughs> Oh yeah, five years of getting divorced. Yeah, and and his daughters ultimately ended up hating him as well. I mean, he dragged her through the mud. I mean, is it really just his fault? No, I mean, come on. Second, he handed her a gun while they were dating. That's kind of like a "fuck this, I'm out" type situation. But she stuck with it, and the way that they live their lives with Gumars and 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 when you are part of our thing, as they put it, that La Cosa Nostra, you put your family first, even though he wasn't in the mafia, he was not part of that family. He was just an associate there. You're expected to put that family before your own. And, and he kind of lived up to that for a while. Uh, couldn't stay out of trouble. Even after he was in witness protection, got kicked out of witness protection yeah. for drug use and, and law and selling and, everything like that. And eventually enough is enough. Right. And I think that's ultimately what drove her away was yeah. the fact that, okay, you didn't learn the first time you had the government that gave you a complete bailout, saving your life. And then you go and pull this shit somewhere else. Um, they yeah. moved, they moved multiple times because he couldn't stay quiet. I um, mean, at the end of his life, he was a, a regular guest from Seattle, Washington on the Howard Stern show. I mean, it's come on, you know, these people don't let this shit go. So at some point you get to cut bait, right? And be like, okay, you know what? I'm out. Well, it's good to hear that even the daughters despised him in the end. Because, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was he wasn't a very good father. No. I mean, yeah. he was spending most of his time, you know, out all night and with the other woman, you know, and... They like the main difference between like a movie like this and how they portray you know the the life of these you know pseudo mobsters is um it's not glorified to the extent that it's like oh you know it's 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 like everything's good and and blah 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 like you watch a movie like Wolf of Wall Street and yeah sure he goes through some shit but in the end everything's okay and I'm here and I'm you know giving <laughs> speeches at the end of the movie and they kind of glorified that person's life whereas with this movie you definitely see the more nitty gritty it's definitely not like you know it's not like you know hey I yeah. would like to be in his shoes you know it's it's more so like hey it's more grounded in reality and it's showing you like how dirty these things actually get so. I, yeah. I really like that about the about this movie. Yeah, you yeah. end up a schnook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good word. Word of the day, schnook. <laughs> but I, I know that that was a thing that people were talking about with, like, Wolf of Wall Street and other movies of that same, same thing. Is like, yeah. well, you know, maybe we put a little bit too much light or a little bit too much fun into this one. And even though Wolf of Wall Street is still a good movie, it doesn't hold a candle to how this movie portrays its notorious, you know, uh, yeah. cast. Mm -hmm. That was like another good movie that 
did that, like where it kind of looked like, oh, this is fun, until you, the end you go, oh, this is this was Requiem for a Dream. I've never seen that. Um, it, it's not like a great, great movie, but it's not bad. Um, it's got Jared Leto. And people are probably gonna be mad that I said it's not great, but um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's about drug use and everything. And by the end, you just go like. Yeah, drugs are. I don't. I don't want to do drugs. Which this movie does that as well. At the end, where you're like, okay, I just need to stay away from cocaine. There you okay. go. Your next movie recommendation. No, I, it's not. I got. An, I got a movie already. Oh, that's a first. <laughs> yeah. No, no. The last time I had a movie, like the Edge of Tomorrow movie, I had planned out for like like several weeks oh, before. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing better, guys. <laughs> If it, if you haven't checked out the movie, you <laughs> definitely want to check it out. It is seriously one. Of, it, it's my favorite movie. I don't think there's a better movie in the world out there. You know, of course, it's an opinion thing. But when you think you look at all these different gangster movies, even you know, we're talking, you know, we company of with The Godfather, Godfather Two, Godfather Three. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> I, the, this the movie Irishman. is. This movie is so much better than Godfather 1 and 2. Yeah, that, that was going to be my question. It's like, it does move, this movie top those two, and it sounds like it is. Yeah, yeah this movie I, has to be like the best mobster movie out there. I think it is. It is critically acclaimed as that as well. I mean, it is like, you're not going to outdo this. I mean, The Irishman was very, very good. That was more of a movie geared towards Jimmy Hoffa, and, and that kind of based on the book, I Heard You Paint Houses. Um, but that is really um, a far cry from what this was. This was... Uh, this ended up being Martin Scorsese's opus. I think it's it made him. I mean, the Taxi Driver got him on the map, but this is what made him a legend, uh, along yeah. with with these other actors. And uh, there's really, arguably, no better mob movie out there uh, than this. Uh, agreed. A plus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I guess. Do our thoughts yeah. and ratings. Yeah, Maz, why don't you start us off with your final thoughts on the movie, and then uh, we do a rating out of five. Okay. I think, really, for what happened during uh, Henry Hill's life, uh, from, from well, at least from 1955 to 1980, uh, they did a really good job uh, keeping it uh, pretty linear as far as, you know, aside from you know, the, the age difference and whatnot, but this, a lot of those changes are, are done because of... Uh, you know, just because it's a little bit more convenient cinematically. Uh, but I think for the timeline that things happened, barring a couple things being changed with what happened with him, actually, like, for instance, when uh, he got pinched for selling cigarettes, he was actually got pinched during, doing a, uh, a tire scam at, a, at an auto shop. That's not nearly as sexy as, as selling cigarettes illegally as a kid. Mm -hmm. But... Um, other than some of those, they did a really good job bringing him right up through his life from his teenage years, getting started out, up to making a name at, at the, in his early 20s, up to really hitting it hard with, uh, with the Latanza heist and really making him a legend all the way down to his downfall. Uh, I think they did a fantastic job with it. It's fantastically written. You're not going to find, like I said earlier in, in the conversation, you're not going to find a better actor for any one of these these characters. They they hit the nail on the head. This was 100% perfect. Um, and based on my bias, of course, because I've always loved the movie since, since the day it came out. Of course, my mother didn't allow me to watch it until I was like 15. So it was like five years after it came out. Um, 
I'm, I'm giving it a five. I've, and I don't usually give out fives, you know, four and a half stars and whatnot. This is probably if I ever come back on again, if, if you know, maybe another 50 episodes when somebody <laughs> votes for my movie, uh, you'll probably never hear me say five again. This is like, this is all out on the table for me. Yeah, I think uh, I think we all saw that one coming. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I I mean it's a really really enjoyable movie. There's you know just a one or two editing choices that I would have been okay with them not doing a freeze frame one, but that's you know very minor in in the grand scheme of things. Uh, it, wonderfully acted, uh, beautiful cinematography, um, great pace to the movie as well. Like he'd never really felt the runtime. Uh, in my opinion, it it's a two and a half hour movie, and I felt like it just kind of flew by because I was just so engaged and um, interested in the story. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I've said what I need to say, and I'm also going to give it a, a five out of five. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree with what you guys are saying, but I did feel the runtime a little bit. But the movie was so interesting enough, and it always kept you on your toes. You. You know, scenes were intense, you know, it was wonderfully acted, and it was cool to see, like, the rise and the downfall of Henry, and, you know, all the other characters played a wonderful role, and even when, like, you did expect nothing to happen, something did happen, you know, that scene where it gets sniped. Um, yeah, and I agree with you guys, and I'm also going to give it a five. Nice. All right. Well, I'm going to disagree with you all and give it a one. No, show. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. no I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, no, I agree with you guys. Uh, cinematography was great. Acting was great. Um, it, it was, you know, it's just a really, really good movie. And there's a reason, like I said, the first time I saw it was in film, uh, you know, in film school, because it's part of history. And they're like, this is one you have to watch. And I went, okay. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so. I also give it a five out of five. Oh, wow. So let me uh, ask you guys this real quick. One one thing before you do that, Maz, I just got to say, Coco did not give me his review or rating. So we'll have to ask him about that next time. Okay. Uh, It's probably like a a two out of three or two out of five or something. Oh, Maz, the only reason we say that is because we all rated a movie like four, four and a half. And then Coco was like the odd one out with like a 1.5. And that became a little bit of a meme. Uh, on the podcast. <laughs> nice. What was the last time you guys did a perfect five across the board, though? Um, it was one of my movies, I yeah, think. It was, or uh, no, October I think Sky. it was uh, October Sky, yeah. Yeah, I think October Sky, for sure. I thought there was one after that, but I don't remember now. Anyway, what no. were you going to say to Maz? Yeah. I apologize. That was the question. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think that's yeah. the only... I think, yeah, I think that's the only one that we've been five out of fives across the board. No, I thought there was one other. Or maybe it was like three fives and a 4.5 or something. It was close. Yeah, who knows? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we someone could go back and, and, and probably listen to these all, and they'll be like commenting below like, um, you guys are forgetting this movie? <laughs> Sorry, not to make you guys sound like, you <laughs> listeners to sound like. <laughs> Callus would be the one to do it. Right. Get on it, Callus. <laughs> Callus, I love you. Do it. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, it's uh, it's time for me to do a movie recommendation, and I got two uh, guilty pleasure movies here for me. Um, and I was having huh. trouble deciding between the two. So I just do the, 
the the head flip again, huh? Well, I'm gonna flip. I'm gonna give the power over the Maz. Maz, I'm typing oh, okay. a message to you right now. Hmm. Which one would you rather see? Don't mention uh, which one you don't you wouldn't want to uh, recommend. Because I'm gonna keep definitely that go with tremors. Tremors. All right. So, ah, nice. tremors. So Going we're gonna be watching my childhood fear. Yeah, that was. This is actually a movie that gave me much fear when I was a child as well. But it's become a guilty pleasure movie as I got older. Uh, so this it. is uh, Tremors from 1990. There are actually five Tremors movies, if you would believe it or not. <laughs> the first two are the only ones that matter. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Um, this was directed by Ron Underwood. Okay, repairman Val McKee and Earl Bassett are tired of their dull lives in a small desert town of perfection. Okay, um, <laughs> this is in Nevada, but just as the two try to skip town, they happen upon a series of mysterious deaths, deaths and are concerned, uh, and a concerned seismologist studying unnatural readings below the ground. With the help of an eccentric couple, uh, the group fights for survival against giant worm-like monsters hungry for human flesh. And uh, this movie stars Kevin Bacon, Finn Carter, Fred Ward, uh, Ariana Richards, and Michael Gross, to name a few. And like I said, this is a guilty pleasure movie for me to the bone. So I'm, it's going to be interesting to see what you guys think of it. I don't want to know what your other movie was now. Uh, I think I have an idea. Never but... get to know. Well, it's it's the other guilty pleasure <laughs> movie that I love too. But I think I'll recommend that one maybe next. Ooh. All right, I'm excited to revisit. So yeah. it's a good, re I, good I revisit. Always, yeah, I was like, I always enjoy Tremors. So, well, hey, a big, big thanks to Maz for coming on the show today. Yes, thank you. It was wonderful having you on and and hearing your um, just knowledge of the whole story of Goodfellas. Yeah, I was. I definitely appreciate you guys having me. On mine. You gentlemen, thanks, freaks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, freaks. Our... Thank you, freaks. We don't really have a name for our fans, but uh, yeah, freaks is a pretty good one, huh? Thank you. Go. Go. Film freaks. Only, only took 50 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, um, if you guys want to check out Mass on Twitter, he's at Mass Tech Gaming. Is there an underscore in there? No, no. No underscore. Um, and if you want to follow him on Twitch and YouTube, it's the same name. Uh, eventually, he's going to get back to streaming, if I remember correctly, uh, right? As soon as I get good internet here, I'm back. All right. <laughs> well, I, I got, I'm on DSL still. <laughs> well, we are all ready and waiting for your grand return. And like I said, if you want to follow him, just go over to Mass Tech Gaming on any of those websites and give him a follow and wait for the, wait for the word on, on when he's going to be coming back. And without further ado, let's go ahead and uh, close out the show. I am Yummy the Ferret, and I've been here with... Pretty Waffles. Animation. Maztec Gaming. And in spirit, Coco Gamer. And we are Film Freaks with a Z. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.